Here's what's coming up on today's show. You know, are those cost effective? Are they battle tested? Are they within my risk tolerance? Those are things that you should be able to answer, you know, pretty easily. And if not, it might be time to maybe look at what's out there. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Glad to have you back inside the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George with Tim Dyer, as always, over at Dyer Wealth Management, and we're going to talk about Maybe the need for a new advisor, Tim. We've talked about you know why you want to work with an advisor, but I think it's probably a, a good idea to talk about when you might actually need a new advisor because ultimately this is your money, right? And you have the right to walk away from that relationship if you don't feel it's a good fit. This is true. Let's talk about that. All right. So we're going to go in and identify, help you identify reasons why maybe your current advisor is not a good fit, some things to be looking out for in a new advisor, and, and really how that transition works if you ever decide to make the move from one advisor to the next. So how's everything else going for you, Tim? Things are good. Things are good. Um, you know, can't complain. I'm glad to hear that as we wind down the summer here. I know every day is uh, paradise in San Diego, though, so maybe you don't feel the difference. But for some of us, we're ready to get out of the heat and get to the fall. But <laughs> got a good show for you. So I want to jump into this a little bit. And again, if you have questions or, or want to learn more about what Tim Tim's approach to, to financial planning and how he can help you, you can always give him a call at 858-459-3937. All right, Tim, so let's jump into this discussion then and, and talk about you know, that, that transition and why you might need a new advisor. So the first thing, you know, we, we, we need to kind of lay the groundwork for is really some of the reasons why someone might want to change. So what, what are we looking for? What are some of the things you may, you maybe you commonly hear for reasons why somebody is looking for a new advisor? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if, if you're not getting the service that you're paying for, then that's going to be one, probably the primary reason. When you look at studies and you look at the things that cause people to change advisors, you would think, okay, maybe performance, maybe costs, um, you know, but really the, 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 one of the bigger ones and the top one that comes up in all these studies is communication. Are you getting, you know, uh, I call it two-way communication because not only do you want your advisor proactively communicating with you uh, changes, updates and whatnot, um, you want them to, you know, you, you as the client want to be heard as well. Um, what's on your mind? What changes are happening in your life? And you want to make sure that that advisor is engaging and listening um, at, at the appropriate level, if you will, and, and not just kind of nodding their head and you know moving on because they've got another appointment 15 minutes later. So again, it's a big space. There's a lot of different types of quote-unquote financial advisors. That's sort of the blanket term that gets thrown around for everything. But um, I think that's another topic, if you will, that, that we've discussed in the past. But really, um, you know, the first thing is, do you feel good about your current engagement, right? Do you feel like, okay, I'm working with this advisor. I feel like my, you know, goals are clearly defined. I feel like the strategies that we're going to use to accomplish those goals are, you know, understood and, and um, I'm comfortable with them and are the tools that we're using to implement those strategies, you know, are those cost effective? Are they battle tested? Are they within my risk tolerance? Those are things that you should be able to answer, you know, 
pretty easily. And if not, it might be time to maybe look at what's out there. That's one that comes to mind. Yes. And that's a big one too. Uh, are you, do you see a lot of people or meet with a lot of people that are kind of in this situation where they're, you know, they've come across one of these issues or two and, and, you know, just want to learn more about what, who you are and what you can do, or, you know, is, is that not too common? Well, I, you know, I, I would think to answer that question, a lot of the people that I meet with initially, um, are, are usually engaging on a topic that I've been discussing either on a podcast or at a live event or, you know, maybe on some social media. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's something that their particular advisors never addressed or brought up. Um, I think too often advisors are just solely focused on the investment part. And, and my background is in that. I mean, I've got a depth of knowledge in the investment management space, but I kind of call that the tip of the iceberg, right? That's, that's sort of the stuff that you see, uh, above the water, but underneath, you know, the tax, the risk, how does it fit in the estate plan? Um, you know, is it, does it fit within a, you know, a risk category or is there insurance that, that protects all of this? There's just more that goes into, you know, the entire plan underneath. And some people um, get into that stuff. Some people do not. Um, and so, you know, as my friend Rob uh, Falvey back east, you know, a, sort of a business coach that I work with, um, you know, he brings up the fact of where are you sitting at the table for your client? Are you just there kind of investment guy, if you will, mm-hmm. or are you handling the planning, you know, the investments and the risk or maybe any insurance around that and looking at that holistically, right? Which is what we do. But in some cases, clients just have a specific need that we can help them solve for. So again, coming back to the original point, I think when you're thinking about your engagement or your relationship with your existing advisor, you know, are you on the same page? Are you expecting more and are you getting more? Or, you know, are you both clearly defined that this is the scope of work? So I think that just kind of falls into alignment. Are you both on the same page? Are there any metrics that you can actually use to kind of measure things to, to kind of to evaluate maybe the, I won't say the performance of your advisor, that's maybe not the right term, but just is there any, any way to truly evaluate that based on data? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to play a little devil's advocate here, right? Okay. This, in that, I think I think people a lot of times they don't have any of those metrics, if you will, and so maybe they'll search on Google like questions to ask my financial advisor, and yeah, you know, again, maybe that's a, that's a good place to start. And they say, look, if your advisor is not a CFP and they're not, you know, this or that. And okay, maybe that's a starting point, but just because somebody's a CFP doesn't you know, mean that there are a lot of people that just graduated college and you can now graduate with that designation, you know? Uh, so you could be a CFP with 40 hours under your belt or you could be a non-CFP with 40 years, right? Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I, look, I understand the, the fact that there's a minimum level of um, competency to, you know, to pass the exam and stuff like that. I'm certainly not dismissing. I, in fact, I've, I've completed all the... the uh, CFP requirements. Um, I just, uh, I had a family emergency back years ago when I was supposed to take the test and I never actually sat for the exam, if you can believe that. Um, and now there's really no need for me. I mean, I've been doing this long enough. I've probably written more financial plans than most CFPs, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, look, the, the point there though is 
if you're looking at how to evaluate your visor, you do want to know um, what what they're charging. And are they charging for planning? Are they charging for investments? Are they charging for you know wealth management, which might include both of those sort of bundled or wrapped? Um, you know, are, are they charging for insurance? Those types of things. And based on what that fee is, you know, what are you getting for that? And they're, they're you know, look, I want everybody that's listening to this episode to just take some stock for a second and say, look. It's okay for you to call up your advisor tomorrow and say, hey, you know, what is it that I pay uh, for advice and for costs and investments, and, and what do I get for that, right? Um, so, you know, that I think is a much better indicator when you get those results back or, an- or they get that answer back than just, you know, designating uh, – in the example I gave, are they a CFP and you know how long have they been in business, that type of thing. So the other thing, too, is a, a lot of word of mouth, right? Uh, I always argue that some of the best financial advisors I know are, they're pretty hard to find. Yeah, they, uh, they usually have a pretty good thing going and you know they've got a lot of clients and a lot of referrals because of that. They do a good job. So you don't see them in the media quite as much. Um, or maybe they're not taking new clients, uh, only referrals from existing clients or something. So you got to do a little bit of homework. Um, I think the the bigger or the louder, again, here's a little devil's advocate for you, but I think the bigger and the louder uh, a particular advisor is, you know, radio, TV, yeah. whatnot, you know, maybe that means the the numbers of people they work with might be bigger and you may fall more into the I'm a number category than you right. know, I'm a direct uh, business associate or, or, you know, client, if you will, of a firm. Again, it's not a black and white statement. I know plenty of capable advisors that have very large practices and some that really only work with 10 clients. Um, so it's across the board, but at a minimum, it's a service, and you should be getting value from the service that's being provided. On top of just what's a, you know, on, on top of just investments, I think that's in a way the the table stakes. Yeah, that's a big part of it. As we talk about, you know, when it's time to maybe find a new advisor. If you have questions for Tim, again, eight five eight four five nine three nine three seven is that number. Well, you mentioned it. Uh, you know, you can always Google, hey, what questions to ask a new advisor, but maybe you can serve uh, as our search engine here right now, Tim. What what are some questions then that you can ask a new advisor to get a better sense? Because, you know, hey, I want to look around. I, I want to find somebody else, but how do I truly get an idea of whether that person's the right fit for me or not? What should I be asking them? Well, I think the the primary question is, first of all, when you go in there, most advisors in the um Initial stages, they're really just having a, some people call it discovery or an initial meeting, maybe a complimentary consultation, whatever that might be. That's really trying to find out if both parties, if it's a good fit, right? Is what the uh, client is looking for, the problems they're looking to solve, does that fit in the specialties of the firm that they're meeting with or the advisor that they're meeting with? Um, and I would add to that, Ben, by saying, does the advisor have a clear path or process of how they you know achieve their goals uh, or help clients achieve their goals because that's an important part if everything's just sort of willy-nilly then you're really not getting that expertise um, and I've found that when you give clients 
a process and a roadmap and a really a clear outline of the milestones that you're going to go through, you're essentially setting the expectations for them. Um, and they know where they are in the process and, you know, they know what needs to get done. And, um, that, that usually leads to better outcomes. So I think making sure that the advisor has a good process that's well articulated and is, and specializes in what it is you're looking to accomplish. I, I'll add one other thing here too, Ben, if I may. Yeah, go for it. Um, there, there's different milestones as I've mentioned, but if I, if you simplify it, You've got two major phases of your financial life. The first one is the accumulation phase, right? Yep. And it starts from selling lemonade as a kid uh, to get out there and, and make money all the way up to your peak earning years, right? Where you're, you're, you have the highest income you'll probably ever have. Um, you're also probably at your peak spending. But all of that stuff is the accumulation. And that light switch flips when you when you head into retirement and you go into the distribution phase all right now you probably heard the old adage when you get somebody that's climbed a mountain you know the majority of the deaths happen on the way down not on the way up right mm-hmm. there's two sides of the equation you got to get up the mountain and you got to get down it um and so if you're if we're talking about retirement and creating income that'll last your lifetime you really want to Talk to somebody that's specialized in that area, not just the accumulation phase, right? I, I can't tell you how many people um, meet with advisors and they say, you know, we've got this great investment program, this great investment strategy, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we think it, it can earn 5 or 6%. And based on your needs, if we just take out 5% or 4%, <laughs> Five or six percent is bigger than four or five percent, right? And so you'll never run out of money. But that's not how it works, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work that way because of something called sequence of return risk. Nothing produces, or you know, things don't produce rates of returns typically that are linear, right? Seven percent, seven percent, seven percent, seven percent. It's up ten, up two, down five, up twenty. You know, just to give you a different return st- stream. But when people retire, if they start drawing money out of their income, and again, this is a whole other topic, but uh, if you start withdrawing income on a, in the early years of a portfolio that has declined a large amount, that has a massive impact on those later years. In fact, it really re- increases the probability of running out of money. And they call that the sequence of returns because if those big negative years happen at the very end, it doesn't matter as much, right? The nest egg has gotten so big, it's just a little decline on the bigger number. But if it happens early on, it could take away a large chunk of your capital, which needs to be used to you know, draw a bigger part of that income. So you have to take more money out of the portfolio percentage-wise if you get those declines in the early years. Again, I'm just running through a, you know, one of the main sort of big problems that people run into. And a lot of times, people that are just focused on investments and not on the kind of the whole picture, income, taxes, uh, these types of things. They just overlook this stuff, and that's, that's table sticks. you got to know that stuff. Um, yeah. So well, let me finish not out. getting that, yeah. Well, I was going to say, let me finish out then with the actual transition itself because I'm curious what, you know, some people might be hesitant just because, that, you know, is it going to be a real hassle to move assets, like to change over everything? Like, kind of take us through a little bit of that transition, what it's like if someone – does decide, hey, I want to start working with Dire Wealth. 
mm-hmm. from our previous relationship. What, what does that transition look like? Yeah, so typically, you know, this is industry-wide, but when people decide to move to a new advisor, sometimes that comes with moving accounts. So maybe your account is at, I don't know, Merrill Lynch, I'll just use a name, and they're going to work with our firm. Well, the, the accounts are going to move to either Schwab or Fidelity. We have agreements with both those companies for them to custody your client's assets. And so those transactions, that movement of money um, is what I call a pull transaction, right? So after the paperwork signed, Schwab or Fidelity, they pull the money from Merrill Lynch, right? So Merrill Lynch comes in one day and there's, there's a note that says this account is transferring, right? So in some cases, the clients like to say, hey, we, you know, they'll talk to their old advisor. Hey, we've been working with you a while. We appreciate all the work you've done. We've actually decided to make a few changes and uh, we've decided to move our account to A, B, and C, right? Um, these things happen a lot, right? Money is moving all the time um, between you know, firms and whatnot. And so th- this isn't an unforeseen thing. It's, it, it usually isn't the end of the world. Um, now, I, I just say that because you know, clients have relationships. A lot of times their advisor, you know, they play golf with them or at dinner with them or they know their family. And, and I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a high service um, relationship business, but it also is a business and nobody's going to care more about your money than you will about your own money. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you need to be a steward of it. And if there's a way that it's better served, then, you know, it might be time for change. But I don't think that um, some people like to write a note. Some people don't. Some people make a phone call. Um, all of those things are acceptable and it's, it, I would say it is up to, um, each person to, to figure out, uh, we, we have a, a template that we give to clients that they can send to their old advisor if they want, change it around if they want. But, um, you know, that, that's pretty much the process. So yeah, that's, okay. that's how things transfer. Well, good enough. Well, I think that gets people a good idea of kind of what to look for and, 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 you know, help them maybe make that decision a little easier. But for someone, maybe the Tim that wants to learn more about, how you can help, how Dyer Wealth might fit into what their goals are and, and, and needs are for retirement. What What does that first kind of conversation, meeting look like for them, for someone that's maybe looking to learn a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, part of our process is uh, originally, like when people contact us, whether it's from the podcast or from our live events, you know, we, we set up a 15-minute phone call. And, uh, you know, that's just to kind of get to know each other and determine if we're in the same ballpark of, you know, the things that we specialize in and the things that they're looking to get accomplished. Um, and, you know, from there, that second step would be to set up a either in person or sometimes we do over Zoom, but a, a one hour, you know, kind of deeper dive where I go through, you know, a series of topics and conversations to really flush out what it is that we're going to do. At the end of that, we produce something called the financial action checklist, which highlights, look, these are the things that we need to focus on. And here are the things I think, you know, the first three items that I think we handle now, you know, and here's what the terms are to work with us, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there's that sort of mini step on the front end to just have a phone call. And then if it makes sense and both parties agree, then we'll set up something on the calendar to to dig in a little bit deeper. But um, none of it's painful and it's uh, conversational just like you and I are here today, Ben. All right, very good. Go to DyerWM.com to learn more and to get on Tim's uh, calendar. But you can also give him a call at 858-459-3937. Again, 858-459-3937. 
right, Tim, we'll call it a day on that note. Uh, Hope all is well with you and hope you have a good week. Keep that summer rolling. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Retirement Power Play. I am Ben George. He's Tim Dyer. Have a good week. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dyer Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dyer Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dyer Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.